0: Oh, stop it.
1: This is Tall Can Audio. All right, here we go on an all-new episode of the Tall Can Audio podcast in that timeless void between Christmas and New Year's. You have no idea what it is, no idea what time it is. And we're connecting with someone six time zones ahead of us, maybe seven. Actually, I'm not. Uh, I'm not completely sure about that. But Lever of Sage is back here. What's happening, man? From
0: from Italy. I never thought the sound of your voice would make me smile, <laughs> Matt Robinson. But hearing your voice, it's Christmas. The Christmas time. It is six hours ahead here in Sicily, right uh, at the bottom of Italy. Um, and yes, uh 6:13 p.m. as we are currently speaking and pitch black outside as I try to look over the ocean from a little beach town called Lettyani in Sicily. So, uh yeah, haven't uh haven't had the chance to do this 6 time zones away before. So, looking forward to it. How are you? How are your holidays? How how are you and your family?
1: everybody's great here and yeah this was a a difficult window right to negotiate how this is going to work because i needed it to be late enough in the day over here where i could have a pint on the show uh (laughs) but you you wouldn't want to be doing it in the middle of the night so we found ourselves a little window around 12 o'clock here on uh on what is it wednesday afternoon six o'clock over there for you we've we've uh worked that out nicely but things are good here man had a good christmas uh i was you know telling you off air you know spent it with uh, my niece and nephew so it's it's fun right to have the young kids ripping around and just being so excited about all the presents and everything and now yeah now it's just uh just sampling some some festive beverages and loafing around on the couch watching afternoon hockey and and whatever else man. It's not quite Italy but uh, it's nothing to complain
0: about. <laughs> you know what I do it's weird, right? You miss like when you're away. This is the first time I've really been away uh, over Christmas and you end up missing some of the things leading up to Christmas day and not being together in family situations. Like you just said uh, with the the nieces and the nephews and the kids running around and the snow and everything's magical, right? Until for me, and this is the way my life works, like until boxing day. And then it's just, Oh, it's cold and it's <laughs> snow and it's going to be like that for the next three months. Right. Um, so that part I'm, don't miss and I'm glad that we're sort of into it but yeah it's hard not to miss um you're not missing out on the weather here it's
1: five degrees and raining so um I'm seeing pictures I'm seeing pictures on Twitter of uh, one guy on boxing day was raking the leaves in his front yard um there was another guy who said he just finished playing soccer in the park it's it's uh it's not particularly Christmassy it's not a winter wonderland right now man
0: well since I've uh, it's been I wanna say exactly two weeks, and I think there was one day for two minutes where I felt a couple of raindrops <laughs> uh but other than that, it's been pretty much between fourteen and twenty and sunny every day and it oh, doesn't man. that doesn't sound like ridiculously hot, but I'm telling you when it's eighteen. 19 and sunny, it's, it's really hot here. Like it's, it's beautiful. So sure. it's been, uh, the, the weather has been majestic. The trip has been majestic. wild. So nice, yeah, the, it, it yeah. has like every day you just wake up. And it's like, at that point it's like 12, 13 and sunny and you see the ocean and the the sun. And it's just, it's the same every day. And you're like, you kind of get used to it until you start seeing pictures of back home, right? And going, right. yeah, like I'm gonna soak this up and not take it for granted anymore. <laughs> so um, I do have to put a hoodie on sometimes at night on the balcony. It's tough man, it's so it's, that's rough that going. Is very very difficult sometimes <laughs> to which hoodie I'm going to use uh, in my socks or socks, sandals and shorts with <laughs> maybe a hoodie. But uh, no, it's it's been. It's been wild so far and I've never been to Italy, uh, never sort of been to Europe. So this is a whole new experience and I'm telling you – I think I was telling you off the air. One of the things over here, I I consider myself – and I know people who would know me would laugh at this because they're like, yeah, he's a terrible driver. But I love driving and I drive everywhere and I'm actually uncomfortable in the passenger seat on like any trip past half an hour like i want the wheel (laughs) i i want to i love driving okay so the fact that got a car and like did a trip from rome all the way down to sicily and got like i had these visions of this is going to be the ultimate like driving down the coast and i got my my arm out the window and the sun (laughs) is shining and like like I love that stuff. Like last year at Christmas, we drove down, and I did twelve hours the first day and fourteen hours the second day, uh, with a, you know with a sick passenger and like. <laughs> it, but but it was still okay. Like it was traffic and it was hard, but
1: that was to Florida, love, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. I love driving, and I'm just trying to get the point across that I love driving. Driving over in this country is like nothing. I have ever seen before it like I I, Matt I don't even know how to describe it other than there are no rules like legitimately there are no rules like lines lines on the road are only for like scenic somebody taking pictures because nobody uses them like I mean people are straddling lines they're there just a motorbike- suggestion,
1: right? They're oh, not a they're ru- not, they're not even, a rule.
0: Not, yeah. not even like people are like scooters and motorbikes come up you, th- there's like the width of a a bike between you and the next car and a scooter will come right up like if you opened your door you'd kill somebody. <laughs> um like intersections <laughs> lights that <laughs> I guess, but like pe- people are going through like and merging into each other it's just it's like nothing i've ever seen and so rome for the first two days even just parking like getting a car and going downtown rome and trying to park to get into the airbnb the streets are just lined it's like every street is lined on both sides with cars and there's just no spots like anywhere at any time zero spots (laughs) And if you want to – everyone here too has like a – I don't know if i made fun of them before, but I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of little small cars, like either smart cars at home or little Fiat's or Cooper's or whatever. You know what I mean? Sure. Over here, it's like if you don't have one of those, you're actually going to be in a big <laughs> hole because everyone else has them and they whip around and they park in these – like, people just park and their half of their car is, like, sticking out into the road and nobody cares. And I, it's just wild. And then, so, Rome for two days, I don't know how I made it out alive. Like, I really don't. Like, without getting into accidents and all kinds of things. One of the most stressful things I've ever done in my life. And then... Okay, back after that, we sort of got.
1: Well, let me interrupt you for a second because yeah. we because we do the beer thing here first, and I I haven't been able mm. to open mine yet, and oh. I, I'm I'm badly wanting into it. So I'm going to go first on this one because I know you're going to have stories to tell on this as well. So I'm going with uh, this eighth anniversary imperial stout for the Covered Bridge Brewing Company out in Stittsville. It's I know it well. Okay, so it's just called uh, it's just called eight. Um, And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, coming in at 10%. So I'm looking forward, this will be what I kickstart my day with.
0: It's noon and 10%. Yeah. We're
1: cracking into our, our Wednesday, right? It's the holidays. So, um, that's what we're going with over here. Looking forward to checking this one out before you get back to your story. Tell us about, uh, what you found over there for, for the craft beer thing.
0: Yeah. By the way, I love the, uh, orange blonde that covered bridge has. I think one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite beers in the area. Uh, love Covered Bridge. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so, Birda Messina. So, Messina is uh, a town in Sicily and it's the port town. And basically, everybody that is coming over from the mainland on the ferry, and it's not too far away, like I said, but you, you get off and on the ferry at Messina to get over to the rest of Italy. And Bira Messina um, is the one I'm drinking now. It's obviously brewed in Messina. And this is their special. They have a normal lager, but they have one called uh, Cristalli de Sale, And it's basically with sea salt Ooh. in it. So Birra Messina, uh, Cristalli de Salle with with sea salt. And as soon as I had it, I was like, yep. <laughs> like, that's... And I've had, as you might imagine, Matthew, I've had a lot of different ones so far. I've had to sample a lot of different ones <laughs> sure. to make sure I know what I'm doing over here. Yeah. And uh, I would have to say that this one is my favorite so far. So um, I've cracked one open here. Now for me, it's like almost 6.30 at night. So sure. yeah, it's might not be actually this is my first of the day like usually it wouldn't be but i kind of waited for you so what a guy um yeah <laughs> i probably have a couple more after but uh <laughs> there's yeah i've tried my best to get as many different ones as possible but um so this one too is in the stores i think i got it the cheapest i got it for was 185 euro okay um a dollar 85 or and that is what I would consider. I also saw it when I got it somewhere else because I didn't know I could get it at all these places. I got it at one ninety nine, and that is for sure my limit as to sort of the high end of what I'm going to spend on one beer.
1: So, how many? Um, what's what's that in Canadian dollars?
0: Uh, that would be three. All right. Yeah, yep. three dollars. Yeah, uh, but. You can and it's kind of a normal size, like it's a pint. Right. But you can find the big bottles which are like a pint and a half. And uh there's beer de Moretti, there's uh Peroni, um uh, some of the ones you can get over at any L C B O uh in Ontario or whatever. I think they're probably uh, the beer Moretti. I think in the can is is three fifty or three sixty at the LCBO. Peroni is a little bit less, like three forty. Right over here, the big ones they're like pint and a half bottles. They're like a buck twenty, buck thirty. Oh man, like like and there's a couple that I'll send you to. Couple that I liked that were under a dollar, and couple that were like fifty cents. I'm like, ah, give this a try. Okay, that's not great sure. for, <laughs> for 50 cents. But I've already maxed out like one ninety nine. That's my limit of euro for how much I'll pay for beer because all of the beer liquor over here is just so cheap. It's available everywhere, as you can imagine. And I know that things are available now in, in Ontario and in Canada too. But like, especially some of the things that the Italians make, the uh, amarettos, the limoncellos, like... You get a bottle of Di Serono. It's thirty three dollars back home. It's 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 nine nine euros here, which is like you know thirteen bucks. Yeah, fourteen, 14 bucks for a thing of amaretto. Like I got a thing of amaretto. it wasn't Di Um I probably should have at that price, but I got a bottle of amaretto for five euros, and it's awesome. So <laughs> that's
1: yeah. man, it's dangerous actually. So,
0: well, yeah. it is, you know, but that's the thing over here that which I think is pretty cool. It's everything is so fresh, right? There was orange trees and lemon trees and things that are just that that cost us a lot to go to the grocery store and get, they're just in abundance here. And, yeah. um, I think that's what people do over here is basically whatever they're going to eat. Tonight or maybe tomorrow, they'll go to the store. They'll go to the market. they'll They'll get their. They'll go to the the deli. They'll get their meats at the deli, the cheeses. Then they'll go to the grocery store. They'll get their fresh fruit and and yep. meals for a day or two, and then that's it. That's their groceries, and then they'll do it again tomorrow. It was it the same the when I was in Sweden. Sweden. It was
1: very mad. Yeah, you stop at the market every night on your way home, get your your dinner, and and carry oh. on. Whereas we'll like bulk up for a week or whatever when we shop so it's just a different approach to it right and um, yeah, yeah
0: no totally yeah. and and i think you know not to say one's better than the other but it feels like there's not there's not a lot of foods over here that have a bunch of preservatives that keep for sure. yeah, yeah month for months right and that's kind of how we do it and it, i'm not criticizing i'm just saying there's a lot of fresh stuff over here and i think that's yeah how people do it they go they get fresh stuff and then they they go back the next day and the day after, but yeah, it's been
1: uh, well. So this uh, been... this whiskey barrel aged ten percent imperial stout to <laughs> oh, kickstart my day has oh, oh my god yeah it's uh, <laughs> it's a little boozy as you might expect um it's uh, it's treating me okay to start with the day but I interrupted you there a few minutes ago you were leaving Rome after two days and to head down to uh, Aud- well
0: I got to ask yeah I'll tell you that but I, so I'm not a whiskey guy right necessarily and a lot of people are it's just not it's i'm not either I, I don't know anything about whiskey right <laughs> like I, 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 well a lot of people love their whiskey and oh, they sure. know all the different types and and you know and that's great and uh, there's something for everyone and i'm just not i think it, i got drunk on whiskey for the first time in my life at like 15 years old and was like That'll literally i got i got hammered on whiskey yep. and
1: to this day that I can't like drink I, tequila for that reason. It was one of the very yeah. first things that did me wrong and I've never been able to do it again.
0: <laughs> it's well that's it, right? Yeah. Uh, so for me, anytime I get a whiskey barreled beer, I'm I'm pretty much out and I don't like it already. Mm. And those are like the five and six percents, not the ten percents right. like you're
1: drinking.
0: <laughs> so good good for you. Like I'm I'm excited that you're starting your day this way.
1: Yeah. No, well, and then I might have a little nap when we're done with the show. We'll see how this goes, right? We'll uh, we'll, we'll see well listen to me.
0: L- listen to me for a while. Yeah, you'll have it. <laughs> uh for sure. Uh so yeah, so trip so far, like Rome um did the Colosseum, Trevi Fountain, and the Vatican in one day. Oh wow. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. Like wild just just wild uh even there's nothing that can quite prepare you for uh the coliseum um to think that to understand the history of it and then to walk in and kind of see it and lead up to it and uh to go in and see all the different like it is just it's beyond it was for me beyond what i even thought it was going to be um I I didn't want to leave. (laughs) Um, It was, it was so cool uh, to be able to, to go and see all the different, you know, angles and, and different things from that. And then that day stopped at a little cafe and we had uh, like cappuccinos and um, biscottis and, uh, what what am I? Oh, a cannoli. I had a Nutella cannoli. <laughs> it was like more Nutella than cannoli. Oh my it was God. too early. It was too early in the morning. It was it was great. But uh and then you kind of walk in the streets of, of Rome and it like it's not as crowded, right? It's low season here. And so it is uh you know it's busy. I, th- I thought it was busy, and everyone's saying, oh, I can't believe there's nobody here, and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, oh, wow, this is <laughs> low season, eh? Yeah. But uh, you're in the streets, and you're kind of walking through some different um, pathways and, and, and alleyways, and all of a sudden you come out, and Chevy Fountain is there, and it's, again, I don't know what word to use other than Majestic. Like you walk out and it's like music hits you and you're like, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And you just sort of sit there and there is a crowd around, obviously, but uh saw that and, and then went the Vatican is is you couldn't you shouldn't do everything in one day because you didn't get to see all of the beauty that the Vatican really is. Right. Not allowed to take pictures in the Sistine Chapel, but the architecture and how big it is is it's just one of the most incredible things i've ever seen. Um so yeah, Rome, then down the coast Latina, which is just a a small town about an hour south of Rome and a little beach town for a couple of days, and then when i was talking about driving to then the Amalfi Coast was next. And i knew that the Amalfi Coast was just south of Naples and very mountainous. Like you're basically in the mountains and there's these little cities that are like ingested into the mountain. And I knew it was that, but I didn't know driving to it and like up the mountain and back down the mountain. It was like no other drive I've ever, (laughs) I've ever done. Um, I think at one point went about 28, 29 kilometers in an hour because – and like with no traffic jam or anything, just that the streets are so narrow and it's like driving on a road course on Formula One with the hairpin turns every five minutes. They're (laughs) they're so tight you can't even make the turn. But there's another car coming and the street is about a car and a half wide. (laughs) Seriously. And you're like, okay, well a bus is coming. I'm either going to stop and hope the bus doesn't hit. There's no way I can go past it at the same time. Right. Like just hope that the bus avoids me as I'm stopped and doesn't hit me. Like that's it. And just going around <laughs> and around and but then getting to the place on Amalfi Coast was like hitting real Italy. Like cobblestone, 114 steps down to the place from the street. There's a luggage, uh, they call it like a, I don't know, uh, like a zip line that you put your luggage in just to get it down to the place that you're staying in because you can't can't walk with your luggage up and down these 114 stairs to the place. Uh, And then you get to the place and it's basically looking over the ocean on the cliffs and Orange and lemon oh, trees, and you're you're walking in the streets. There's one restaurant open; it's the pizzeria, and the pizzas are the best. And like, I think I've had pizza every third day. uh <laughs> and I haven't had enough of. When it. in
1: Rome, um, as the expression goes, right? that, that's it. And <laughs> yeah.
0: the Amalfi Coast, and then another day in a town called uh Paola, Paola, just down sort of the coast in Calabria, and then over to Sicily, and you know, doing some family digging later on in the trip and uh, others are as well from from what we're doing. So it's, uh, yeah, yeah. It, but now settled. Right. And, and I think there's, you know, a bit of a uh, a hiccup in Catania and stuff and a little bit of stress, but all good now and uh, sitting in a little beach town and uh, not doing I'm exactly like you now. Like I don't know what day it is, and <laughs> don't really care, and we'll figure it, figure it out. Yeah. Like, hey, what's going on today? Uh, what do you want to do? Nothing. Okay. Good.
1: Nothing. You it is. You want to
0: go? Out? You you want to go somewhere? Sure. Like,
1: yeah. Well, so are you a wine okay. guy? Because that's supposed to be a big part of their culture there. I'm curious if you tried anything good.
0: So 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 I'm not a wine guy. Right. But I I did get a. As you as you've learned, I like sweet things. Yeah. Right? It doesn't just pertain to beer. <laughs> so I like my desserts and chocolates. And I try not to do too much of it, but I I I like sweet things. So I'm not a wine person, but in wine culture, right? Moscato's are kind of this before ice wines they're kind of like the sweetest wine okay real wine drinkers hate moscatos because they're they're way too sweet for most people um so that's that's my scene and went to a winery just outside of latina uh and got a moscato wine there and gotta tell you it's pretty good (laughs) (laughs) so i've been drinking mostly beer but uh, I am trying a little bit, like, while I don't, I've I've tried some of the wines, it, they're not necessarily my thing, but I've tried wines from home, and I can taste the difference in the wines, even though it's still not necessarily my thing. Mm-hmm. I get why people here love their Italian wines, because there's so many different ones, and they, they do taste different than than, than other wines and so i'm i'm slowly trying to i'll call it evolving matthew okay uh, yeah w- or growing up or other people with <laughs> sophisticated all that stuff oh, that's easy, not really easy. me yeah. yeah no no i'm saying that's not really me that's okay. what other people are with their uh, at my age right it's what they are with their wine <laughs> i'm not quite there but give me a good moscato and then give me some good beers and i'm I'm trying to, uh, to figure it out.
1: Well, you're going to have to tell us about the sports scene over there. I, and I'm curious, how would you rate the Italian coverage of the ongoing World Juniors? Is it, is it wall-to-wall coverage over there? Are they all in on, uh, on what Team Canada has done over here?
0: Sorry, World Junior what? What yeah, sport is yeah, yeah, that? exactly. Um, <laughs> so uh, what's interesting, too, is when you get to places where you know the language barrier is steep, you know, And I applaud a lot of people because my Italian is not very good. I, I pretty much like in croissant per favore, mm-hmm. uh, croissant please, and a, lo- <laughs> a, a, a lot of scusas, uh, right. uh, which, is, which is sorry, uh, <laughs> scusa, excuse me, excuse me, scusa. Um, but when you get to places like that, it's really interesting. And, and the first place, uh, a pizza place trying to, uh, somebody put the TV on and they, they turned to us and they're like, Oh, football, football. You, you like football? And I'm like, that's soccer. Right. Uh, like, yeah. Napoli's he's playing <laughs> Florentina and like, <laughs> what are you, what are you talking about? And he was asking I'm just joking. Like sure. he was asking us about like, you know, where, where are you from? And the first thing he said, Oh, you're from you're from Canada, Afonso Davies.
1: Right? You know yeah. Alphon-
0: yeah. Do you do you know Afonso Davies? And I'm like, yeah, uh, I know Afonso Davies. And we're good that's pals. We grew up in- together.
1: We're really tight. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But,
0: but that's what they know. <laughs> sure. Right? Yeah. And so everywhere you go, uh, stayed at b and B in this a town called Paola on the beach, and um, the woman did not speak any English whatsoever. So everything was done through Google Translate. Right. It, it's qu- it's quite a it's quite a scene when you're trying to communicate. It takes a lot longer, but even like she was making breakfast in the kitchen and and the soccer games on. Yeah. Um so yeah, the scene here, you really have to try and to be honest with you, I it's one of those things when you go away too, right? You don't necessarily want to submerge yourself in <sighs> Like I know DJ got fired. Right. And I know and I know Jacques Martin. I didn't come years all the way ago, to well, Italy
1: though to sit on Twitter and hear what's happening with yes. the Sens or the World Juniors or things yeah, like that. It,
0: yes. And, you know, obviously with friends in the business and good friends like you and um you know guys like Ian Mendes and Graham Creech and, and all kinds of people uh being in communication with them, like I know what's going on. Sure. And I hear I've heard a lot of the stories kind of behind the scenes as to what's happened, you know, with the Sens and stuff. But the actual sports that I have watched consist of two games, and I bet you can get both of them.
1: Uh, Dallas Cowboys.
0: That's correct. Yes. So uh, on the patio, both were really – they're late starts for me. Like the 420 games – you're talking about 10, 20, 10 30 before it gets going on the zone <laughs> on the iPad. And now it's one o'clock in the morning and I'm yelling, about <laughs> yelling off the patio, at the refs and Dak Prescott and everybody else. But, um, yeah, I, I, I got the zone. I got a great deal. Uh, I paid one Euro for eight <laughs> days and, and got two cowboy games on it. And that was fine for me. Uh, sure. so, yeah. um, both of them in losses, but that's okay. Uh, but yeah, that's that's it. So a lot of reading, though, like, you know, keeping up on, like, the different websites and, and just hearing from the guys back home about what's going on. But, you know, I probably have heard more about the Sens I haven't watched any Suns games, no. but I but I know the scores and I know kind of what's happened behind the scenes and hearing from from some of the guys of what's going on. So you keep in touch that way, and that's basically like you know what it's like. You keep in touch with your friends, and by the how are you? Good, good, okay. Let's talk about yeah, you, you know, like
1: I have a buddy. He's been he's like my oldest friend in the world. I've known him since I'm four years old. He doesn't text much. He's not a tech guy. He's not a Twitter guy, but a couple times a year he'll text me and it's never, Hey, how's it going? Hey, what have you been up to? It's always that Leafs trade or, you know, it's always something about the Leafs. It's they just lost again in the playoffs or have made a trade or whatever. But I know if I'm getting a text from Shane, it's going to be about talking about the Leafs. That's the only yeah, thing he'll text you about, right? Like <laughs> get right that's down what to business. We do. yeah. That, yeah.
0: That's, what we, that's what we do. And so that's been a lot of my communication with from people back home just trying to stay in the loop of between the Cowboys and the Sens and a little bit of World Juniors here. But yeah. uh, that's just kind of getting going right now. Yep. And um, Yeah, but it's – and for anyone that's been away, it's just different when you're looking in on it from afar. Like even if you're completely like, – I could sit there and read Twitter and hear from all the guys, and but it's different. When when you're looking at things from a long way away, knowing how little all of that stuff means for everyone that you're around here. Yes. Like, it just doesn't even there exist. There is no
1: one else in this restaurant thinking about the Blue Jays right now. Right? Yeah,
0: like, like, yeah. like, no, zero. They don't even know anything. And yeah. so I think it's a cool perspective. It's a unique perspective. And a, I think a good one for people to have when, you know, they get they get back into it. And, you know, all. Come home and get back into it. Yeah, and but it, it's a unique perspective to have when you're away for a period of time. I'm not talking a week. Like, every a lot of people go on vacation and whatever. But when you're away for a significant period of time, like I'm going to be, it it's a different take on what you know it actually means, and you, you kind of see things a little bit more clear. And I'm looking forward to discussing the 17, eight and six. Of only eight losses in <laughs> what thirty? What, what are they at? Thirty-one games, something like beliefs. that. Yeah. Th- Thirty-one games, eight losses in regulation, and you'll tell me how bad they are, and <laughs> I'll kind of, yeah. I'll kind of look at you and go, you know what?
1: you, no. you, you saw what happened to them against Buffalo, right?
0: <laughs> was that the game they got down five?
1: They, the, Columbus, no, that was overtime? Columbus. They got absolutely whacked nine-two oh. by Buffalo.
0: Well, that's okay. Like,
1: you're right. (laughs) It
0: it was coming back when they score five goals in the third period. Yeah, against Columbus.
1: Yeah, and then Uh, lost in overtime. Yeah,
0: yeah. Them them getting a point and losing would have been way better for me to watch. Like, for them to come all the way back. Yes. From five down and then lose. Like that, it's a very
1: leafy thing to have happen, right? And it yeah, that makes
0: my heart happy. And like that, th- that it's just like you would, you would
1: have missed it. But when um, John Tavares got two points against the Islanders, right? T- and his second one is a game-tying goal with six seconds left. It's his thousandth career point. He does it in front oh of all these God. Islander fans booing him. <laughs> and then they immediately lose in overtime. Like right off the face-off, <laughs> just like, well, that was fun, right? Like the the excitement was short-lived. <laughs> Everything but can you explain that, to me? Yeah. Can
0: you explain to me? Like we'll we'll talk about the Leafs in a second, but can you explain to me? I know they've played a lot of games, but the Vancouver Canucks have the most points in the National Hockey yeah. League.
1: I can't. What? I don't understand anything about that. <laughs> like, the but come on, what's happening? And the only real like notable change was last year. That, well, obviously they got a new coach, Um, but the Philip Hirona trade and now suddenly that guy's a world beater playing with Quinn Hughes and I remember ripping that trade going you guys are about to bottom out and you're trading away a first round pick to get a middle pair defenseman what the hell are you and here they are world beaters this year I'm not looking great on my assessment of that particular trade but I don't think anybody saw the Canucks being what they are this year, man, it's been wild, and it doesn't hurt, is, I guess, to have Demko return to form too. But yeah,
0: no, and, and I think everyone thought at some point if that guy can get healthy; he's going to be a really good goalie. Yeah, but I mean, I know they played more games, so their win percentage isn't quite what New York's is in there. But the Vancouver Canucks, yeah. as we approach the new year, have the most points in the National Hockey League. Like that's that's a thing that if you don't know anything about hockey. And you're like, oh, let's look at the NHL. I haven't really paid, uh, even if you're America, uh, well, what's going on in the NHL? The Vancouver Canucks have the most points? Yeah. Like, <laughs> w- wow. Um, and, and that's with that
1: also, Kuzmenko kid getting healthy scratched half the time, right? And, and if yeah. anyone had tried to tell you the Canucks are going to be first, you'd go, it's guys like that who have had an explosion of a start, right? Like Pedersen's killing it, Kuzmenko's killing Kuzmenko right. can't even get in the lineup, and they're still doing this. It's, 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 <laughs> it's a crazy story, man.
0: Well, and that's coaching, and that's yeah. that's getting guys healthy, and it's coaching, and I'm sure we'll morph into uh, a little bit about what's happened here with the Sens. You probably talked a lot about it, but I'm I'm eager to talk about it with you as a guy that his first, my first job ever when it came to the Ottawa Senators was interviewing Jacques Martin mm-hmm. after games live from the locker room. Right. And I feel like I've been taken back, you know, <laughs> 22 years of my life going, that's what I used to, when I first got into the business and I, one of my first, my first gig ever, like with the Sens specifically was, okay, we want you to do live from the locker room. And the first thing you got to do is interview Jacques Martin. And I, just can't believe twenty-two years later it's <laughs> back, to, life back, the back to square room. one. Jacques Martin. Yeah.
1: Well, we can get into that if you want. I got. I've talked about it a fair bit, but I I, be, I am curious to hear your opinion yeah. on it as he gets brought back in. They immediately lose two in a row, blowing third period leads. They did get a yeah. win right after that to go into the holiday break. Most people will hear this after the Sens have played the Leafs on Wednesday night. We don't know how that one has played out, but you know, what did you think that? That they, about them, you know, circling back and deciding that's the guy we're going to let kind of guide the ship for a little while here.
0: Well, look, a, a couple of things. I think we're seeing in sports, especially in Ottawa, that while the right moves have been made, they've been made too late to do anything about the current year. Like, and we go back, and we've, you and I have talked about the Red Blacks, and I, I, I'm not even faulting the situation. And I think the situation, when I look at it from afar, is, is very similar. Um, you had the Red Blacks, and you, had, you hired Sean Burke, but Paul Lapolis was already the coach. He was the OC. He had a lot of power. Sean Burke couldn't come in, and the first thing he was going to do was just, okay, let's fire Paul Lapolis, right. and let's go. Like, he couldn't do that. And we all knew – being the smartest people in the world in (laughs) sports, like me and you, and we all knew that Paul LaPolice was going to get fired, that he was not the right guy for the job. But it took a length of time for Sean Burke to get acclimated, for him to give Paul LaPolice a chance. And look, this is the same kind of thing. If the sale of the Ottawa Senators went through... Three months before, yep, DJ Smith would have been let go, and they would have brought somebody in. It might not have been Jacques Martin, but they would have brought somebody in, and things would have gone over the summer where guys got a chance to have you know a relationship with the new coach, put some systems into place, all Had that a full stuff. Full training
1: as a, camp, yeah.
0: As the sale dragged on and on and on. You know they were kind of forced to okay, we're going to come in and, and Steve Stale is going to be a part of it. But look, Pierre Dorion's still going to be the general manager, and DJ Smith's still going to be the coach, and maybe they get off to a great start. And everything's good, but then obviously, with the Dadenoff situation, and Pierre Dorion gets fired, and it just was too late. You can't come in and, and fire the coach when the Brady Kachucks and the Tim Stutzlas and Josh Norris is really like DJ Smith yeah. and you're the new owners and you come in and you go, well, the first thing we're going to do is we're not even going to give DJ a chance this year. We're just going to fire him. And then the new coach is going to come in and it's already going to be a frosty relationship with everybody. So I understand why this had to play out, but it doesn't mean that keeping DJ Smith and letting him have a chance at the beginning was the right thing. Still, yep. like, I I totally understand why it all happened this way. And I don't fault anybody, but DJ Smith was going to get fired. And I was telling you before that it should have been done before the Sweden trip so that a coach could come in and they only played four times in 17 days in that time span. Jacques Martin, like this is all the right thing. DJ Smith getting fired. I know he's a, a good guy and, Like, I hope he does well. I hope he's able to come back. I I have some respect for DJ Smith. I think a lot of people do. He's put in a tough spot. Um, You know, there's some marching orders from Pierre Dorian. There's marching orders from, you know, the former Eugene Melnick. All of that stuff to be put in place. But at the end of the day, he didn't win and his teams weren't getting better under him. He was going to be fired. And they've done this too late to save any of this season.
1: So you've got this season written off.
0: Um. Le- sorry. Let me just look at the fact that being away again. I'll I'll give it like this, this kind of view from afar. Yeah. Yes. They, yes. They've played less games. They are eight points behind the seventh place team in their division. <laughs> they are. They are. They are dead last. Eight points back. They are dead last. Four points back in the conference. Dead last. And in the league, there are only two teams, Chicago and San Jose, that have less points than them. Um, Yes, their season (laughs) is over. And the only thing that can happen now, and look, bringing Jacques Martel in for the rest of the year is the right move. He is a teacher. He is a guy that can understand some different philosophies and make people buy in, bringing Daniel Alfredson in, well, and even
1: logistically, As, uh, like, he's a guy who probably doesn't want the job long-term. He'll be totally fine at the end of the season when you go find your guy sliding back uh, into that advisor role, right?
0: A hundred percent. And the only thing that can happen for Jacques Martin is the team goes on a crazy run. And it, if they get a lot better from the naked eye, and what I mean by that is it's not about wins and losses. When you looked at DJ Smith... Tell me a time where you thought that the coaching was making this team better, right. not the fact that Brady Kachuk and Tim Stutzla were getting older and more experienced and that kind of stuff. Right? Because Brady Kachuk was going to get better from nineteen and twenty to twenty-two and twenty-three, and so was Josh Norris, and so is Tim Stutzla, and all those guys. They're naturally going to get better because they're super talented players. Jake Sanderson. Mm-hmm. But I I never saw a time that I was like, you know, coaching is making a massive difference with this team. Like, if they didn't have DJ Smith, they'd be worse off. Never thought that once. So with Jacques Martin, they're going to get better. Now, is he going to be the coach long term? I would say probably not. Yeah. But that's Jacques' line. Mm, probably not. <laughs> Alfie, probably not. yeah um, But... From the naked eye or the view from afar, is the team improving under Jacques Martin from now until the rest of the year? Well, we're going to find out. And if the team improves vastly, I think there would be a consideration for Jacques Martin to continue to be the coach with a Daniel Alfredson and maybe another assistant that comes in. But if the season just kind of goes along and they do make some improvements, but they don't win a lot of games, You're right. Jacques Martin goes back to senior advisor and they go and they find a coach that can come in and continue some of the things that Jacques Martin and Daniel Albertson have now put in place. So this, I hope Sens fans for the first time can really hear this if they haven't heard it before. And maybe you've heard it for the last week and a half ad nauseum. I'm not sure. I'm in Italy drinking wine and beer and going down the coast. But for the first time, the Sens have a chance to get better with their younger players and be a better team in the future. They had stagnated. They weren't going anywhere. And it was hope that the the core players, simply by getting older and more experienced, were going to make the team better. Now, for the first time with Steve Steos with Jacques Martin, with Daniel Alfredson, and without Pierre Dorian and without Eugene Melnick, this team has a chance to get better. Now, it's going to be up to the players now, which I love. I love the fact that the excuses now are gone. Yep. Like, if Brady Kachuk and Josh Norris and Drake Batherson, if they want to play defense, well, that's up to them. Right? Like DJ could only do so much. He had kind of made his bed. If a new coaching staff comes in and wants to teach these guys a, a new way of playing in a way that's gonna help them win more games and they don't want to take to it, that's on them. Yep. Now so the excuses are gone. Jacques Martin Yeah, we know believe, we
1: know Jacques Martin knows how to teach teams to play defense. Like that's kind of his thing. So if we continue rolling along and Batherson has remains clueless in the defensive zone, where to go. Well, then we know it's on Bathurston and not on the coach. It's not on the system. Right. It's not like we're about to find out a lot about these players. Are they willing to learn? Are they able right. to do this? Because we know the coach can, can bring it in, right? Like we know that's this a, coach exactly lays it down. It. Yeah.
0: And, and look, every player is going to be different, right? So Batherson. I I hope for I don't have a lot of faith that he's going to get a lot better defensively. I think he's going to be a product of the system um, that helps him get better defensively. Right? Uh, because from some of the things that were were kind of seen and told in Belleville as well, this is a guy who like coaches took aside. Okay, Drake, we need you to do this. We need you to do this in defensive zone. And, oh, okay, coach, and then tomorrow would be like, well, what are you doing? Like we asked it. Oh, okay. Well, I, I get it now. And then the next game, right? Like he seems to be very offensively gifted, uh, but I don't want to pick on him. It, it's more of the whole team. Cause, cause Brady blows the zone and he yep. doesn't get criticized for it because he's Brady Kachuk and Tim Stutza scores baseball goals in Sweden and is the most electric player with the puck. And when he blows his own and does something stupid, it's like, ah, well, he's young. He's fine. Like, no, no, like that, that time is done. It's over. And the players now need to know we have to learn this stuff because now it is on us. And I think they're in a really good spot with Jacques as a teacher. And then when the message gets told to them and they're still a little bit either, confused or not wanting to do it a little tap on the shoulder from the greatest player in the history of the organization that not a lot of people have bad words to say about Daniel Alfredson. Yeah. When he taps you on the shoulder and goes, Hey Tim, um, I know you're a great player and, but Jock told me the same things 20 years ago and I didn't do them. And then when I started actually listening to him, we got a whole hell of a lot better. Yeah. Like, so when Daniel Alfredson is the guy reinforcing the message, to me, that's even more. Like, you got a great teacher in Jacques Martin, but the ultimate reinforcement person is Alfie. Like, I, I just can't even imagine somebody else well, being better. Let me to let me push back on message. that
1: just for a second. Yeah. Because I-, I asked our buddy Lloydie about this when he was on the show last week, and he told me I was off track a little bit. And that's fine. Maybe I am. But the Alfie yeah. thing to me feels more like bringing a, like, like a, a positive PR move than it no, is. No. Hold on. Let me, let me just go a little further for the sake of the listener. Right. I thought it was a brilliant move to bring Alfie back into the organization. I thought that made a ton of sense. And it was only a matter of time once Melnick was out and, and Dorian was gone that, that that was going to happen. But you are talking about a guy who has zero coaching experience and in terms of being behind an NHL bench even as an assistant and at a time that you're trying to teach these guys right you're trying to bring stability you're trying to get them to defend and play a system would you not have preferred to see in that spot another guy similar to Martin who has a track record has some tenure has a history of teaching players how to defend this feels to me a little like okay, this season's over, we're giving you Jacques Martin, and I, I think that makes sense, but we're also giving you Alfie. You guys like Alfie. You know, cut us some slack here. You, you know, you're going you're gonna to love seeing him on the bench every night. That's how this feels a little to me.
0: I just want to – the pause there is to make sure that I let you finish. Yeah. Because you are so off track. It's crazy. <laughs> um, so I, I want you to finish, and I respect your opinion, um, but I guess – Knowing who Daniel Alfredson is and the kind of player that he was around at practice, the guy that was teaching other guys even when he played. And I think more than anything, it's you need somebody like the players can be told, right? Like Tim Stutzler, I think he's a good example. He's a really young player, he's from Germany. And he comes over, he doesn't know who Jacques Martin is.
1: Does he know like, who Daniel Alfredson is?
0: Yes, because the second he got drafted into this team, he found out who Daniel Alfredson was if he didn't know before. Sure,
1: but he did not and grow up watching Daniel Alfredson.
0: No, no, he no. didn't. No. But, but since the first day that he was drafted and everybody else was drafted, they knew who the greatest player that ever played for this team was and how respected he is throughout the hockey world. And while Tim Stutzer might be told that Jacques Martin is a great coach and a great teacher and has all of this history with the Sens and the NHL, I'm not sure that he can relate to Jacques Martin. Now, Maybe. I, I hope he can. I, I'm not saying he can't, but it's just another person who used to be good that's coming back in that maybe I can learn something from. But Jacques Martin, to me, is anybody else. I think all these
1: things apply for, to Alfie as well, man, for these no, young guys. Okay. I,
0: I, I, See, that I totally disagree with because I know listening to guys that get drafted. I know young players that are 18 and 19 years old, especially ones in Europe. They know and they understand the magnitude of who Daniel Alfredson is in the National Hockey League, and especially with the Ottawa Senators. He's everything. He's all that they know. And so, for him, for Alfie to have been from Sweden, to have a lot of Europeans understand that when they think of Ottawa, Daniel Alfredson is the first, second, and third thing that they think, the respect that he has and the the ability to really understand and communicate with people, he has an unbelievable ability to do that. Now, you want to have this argument when Daniel Alfredson was named the head coach when DJ got fired? Okay, I can have this argument with you. And I and there'd be people that would be pointing out Marty St. Louis is a pretty good coach yep. in, in Montreal with zero experience, yep. but because he's a great communicator. And I... I guess I would say the same thing about Alfie, but he's not even the head coach. Like He's literally the guy that the players can talk to, understand, and have the respect for because when you talk about the Ottawa Senators, it is Daniel Alfredson, and then it's a couple steps down to everybody else that's ever been in the organization. He is this organization, and... I think the players understand that, yeah, and they know that. And and, so I just think it's a really, really good choice. I, I think he's going to be. And listen, part I, of this organization I'm not married to time. it
1: being a bad choice. Like I'm not saying this is the worst mistake they could have possibly made. My whole thing is just I might have looked for a little more, a coaching experience. Like I, I look at it through the the Toronto lens. If if William if Matt Sundin gets named. Assistant Coach on the Leafs. I think William Nylander's over the moon. He grew up watching that guy. Knew, knows who he is. Ton of respect. Austin Matthews, like, eh, maybe not. He, I, I wasn't necessarily a Leaf guy growing up, and this guy's been retired for whatever it's been, eight or ten years. Uh, you know, I'm not sure that it carries the same, uh, you know, the ki- the same weight, right? That for Mitch Marner, who grew up in Toronto, and William Nylander, who grew up in Sweden. Yeah, Matt Sundin—that's a big deal. Frost and Matthew—he's yeah, just another old guy that I know. He's important. I know I'm supposed to say all the nice things about him because he was a big part of this organization, uh, but he doesn't really carry all that much weight. It, it's just—it's yeah. just a different. And thing
0: I right? understand. I understand what you're saying, and I—I I get it where you're coming from, but I also think comparing. Look, Matt Sundin's a big part of the Leafs' history, but he's not Daniel Alfredsson to the sense. Like, yeah, probably
1: not. Probably not.
0: When you, when you think of the Leafs and a lot of people go back to Gilmore and Clark and Daryl Sittler and Borya Salming. Keons.
1: And, yeah, for sure.
0: Like, and even back, yeah, the yeah. Keons before that. Yeah. Look, like, look, Matt Sundin, I'm not taking away big part of the Leafs history. 100%. But he's not, he's not number one by a landslide. No, he's not. Daniel Albertson is number one by a landslide. And I think that's the difference here. Um, and again, he's not the coach. He's just the guy now that can yep. literally be there every day to relate and help and and reinforce the message that's coming from. So if you – the Leaf example that you just gave, okay, one of the best teachers in the game is Jacques Martin. We could, There are other great teachers right. in, the ga- in the game. So if the Leafs brought in – like who else would you say is an unbelievable teacher – Of the game, like an older coach that's maybe not coaching now that's a great teacher, even like a I I don't know Julia
1: or yeah, maybe right. Like, I I, I don't know that he was a great teacher, but in terms of stature in the last 30 years, Pat Quinn would be the only guy or Pat Burns, right? Those are big, big name coaches that had success to a certain degree with these teams. Um, and but I guess
0: what I'm saying is like, if Pat Quinn was, was, and I know, yeah, we're talking about in like Pat Quinn and Pat Burns, unfortunately, have passed Uh, on. Not available, right. um, But if you hired somebody like Pat Quinn and then brought Matt Sundin in to be like, hey, I can relate a little bit more to these guys. I know what they're going through. I know what they're playing like in Toronto. I know the pressure. And I'm not the coach. I'm just the guy that can help reinforce what the Pat Quinns of the world or whoever else would be the coach. Yeah. I can help pass that message along and I can't think of anybody better in Ottawa than Daniel Alfredson to be that guy. I'm very hopeful for this year that it ends up being like a really good learning tool for this team that they can literally now build a foundation. And that's the whole thing that we're talking about right now as, as we kind of close this conversation this team was going along in a way of like, oh, man, I hope they get better. I hope they get better. They're players are, but but they had no foundation. They're just the same. Oh, man, I, I hope things are better. But how are they going to get better? Like, where is the foundation for them to build that they're going to be able to, to, be, to the consensus, do that?
1: Right? The consensus seems to be that, that DJ did help these players – improve as individuals like as as individual players there's a lot of really talented kids on this roster but they're not clicking together as a team and he wasn't able to put the this together and have their talent you know be the you know the sum of their parts equal their talent kind of thing and so yeah that's that's jock's challenge here these there are good individual players here how do we make it a good team because it's not a good team it's 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 frankly no. as the numbers you pointed out, it's a pretty bad team, but there's a lot of good players on it. Why isn't that connecting and can it be put together and Jacques is a totally reasonable choice to be the guy to see if he can make the puzzle pieces fit
0: anyway, I believe in what and sometimes you? what nothing oh, any, the, it.
1: anyway it was fairly dismissive it was
0: just, <laughs> um yeah anyway uh, <laughs> sorry I, sometimes i don't realize how dismissive i get told that a lot in my life i'm a little bit i'm a little bit more dismissive than i think that i am okay. but i don't but i don't mean to be so i apologize man i appreciate that. um but i do think that this is now finally a year that they can build the foundation that they want to get to. And I do believe in the fact of, and, and again, some of it comes with the newness, right? The naivety of just somebody else other than percent Eugene Melnick owning, Pierre Dorian being the general manager, DJ Smith being the coach. When all of those parts have now changed for one reason or another, you have this kind of hope, belief that things will get better because there's new people there. New and message, new
1: delivery, new. Yeah. Yes. And
0: I don't necessarily know that that's going to happen because sure. Steve Steos is in charge and Jacques Martin is the coach and Alfie's the assistant coach. But I do think with Ann Lauer and Steos and going out and finding a general manager and um, having Jacques and, and Alfie there, I really do think it, it's laying a proper foundation and a chance for the team to get better and that's where i really want to kind of focus this the end of this discussion on is that there, for a long time there's been excuses why when they're good oh man things are awesome brady's the best tim Stout's is magic Oh, josh norris incredible you know but now there's the excuses are gone there's no the, – the, the owner isn't the owner. The GM is not the GM. The coach isn't the coach anymore. All, but the core is the same. So now it's time for the core to actually get better um, as a team, not yep. as individuals because they're talented. Yep. But I don't care how talented you are. It's clear that in most sports, you can be the most talented team in the world, but you're not doing anything when it actually matters. And so – I I think that it's the right move. I think it was done too late to save the season. I was arguing that from the beginning, but I do understand why this has all transpired in the timeline that it has. It's too bad for Sims fans that they have to go through another year of this kind of stuff. But now when people say next year, they will be judged, and now it's actually true. Like, for me, now it's...
1: Yeah, all the old pieces are gone.
0: Yeah, yeah, now it's put up or shut up time um, for all of the players on the ice. And that's the most important thing. So a good thing, it took too long. The sale over the summer hurt the process for sure. But the right people are now in place. And now it will take some time. It'll take some time for them to have two goal leads in the third period and lose hockey games for them to go, hey, this isn't good enough anymore. Jacques Barton is not going to give one crap to bench Tim Stutzler if, if he's the reason why they're losing. He's not going to. And he shouldn't. But DJ Smith did. And that's the difference.
1: Yeah. Um, we have some breaking news here on the Blue Jays front as you and I chat. Let's go! The Blue Jays have made a free agent signing. It's Isaiah, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa Formerly of the New York Yankees, uh, not yep. overly exciting. A, a good glove at many positions. Um, you will watch him swing at things three feet off the plate fairly often. That's he's not a bit, essentially uh, at first blush. Here, man, they've signed another Kevin Biggio and Santiago Espinal. You have a third one of those guys on the roster now, um, right. and this comes on the heels of them re-signing Kevin Kiermaier yesterday uh to a 1 year deal that was interesting because i think Kiermaier expected after what a great return season he had last year he would he would find a multi-year deal somewhere preferably on uh on grass um, the fact that he was willing to return to Toronto on a 1 year deal obviously suggests that the market wasn't what he thought it would be for him uh but you're seeing you know after Shohei mania we worried about was this off season going to feel underwhelming even if they did good things I would suggest at first blush here on on Isaiah Kiner-Falefa these are two underwhelming signings um you know not necessarily even good so like I this is already starting <laughs> to look a lot like last year in the sense that your defense is gonna be pretty good and you may not be able to hit worth a shit uh, I know I'm just dropping these on you but it's just come across the wire here I'm not sure if you'd seen no, the wire news but uh, what do you think?
0: Yeah, no, no, I had seen the Kiermaier. I didn't know of Kinder Falafa, But um, I, I think what this does is if they had have gone out and got Otani and that had it worked, the pressure would have been off of Shapiro and Atkins because it would be like, hey, we went out and got the biggest, best, most incredible player in the world. And if it's still not working, hey, that's not our fault. But now you re-sign Kiermaier and, and you get this guy, too. They're not names that people are coming to the park to see. What they are is names that better be part of a winning lineup. And yeah. I'm not one for – like, it would have been amazing if they had have got Otani. Like,
1: yeah.
0: It, it would have been incredible. But – I'm actually more concerned about the team winning rather than selling merchandise. So if Otani had to help them, he wasn't going to pitch anyway. If he had to help them win, I would have been excited. I, when I go into a year with my favorite teams, my first, second and third things that I think of is how much of a chance does this team have to win? Can they win? And, I don't know a lot about the guy you just told me about. I do know, and watching, knowing the history of Kiermaier and watching him last year with the Jays, I'm actually, I think it's good that he's back. I think he understands what it's like to play in Toronto. I think he can do some good things with the team. But it shifts the pressure to me, and I'd be curious to hear what you think about this. Now, you don't you miss Otani. I don't know that you're going to make this massive splash your splash better be trust us. Cause these guys are going to come together and they're actually going to win because if it's not that you're going to be gone. And I, I appreciate that. And I want that for teams that I cheer for. Like I'm, and I don't mean to kind of get this back to the Cowboys. Cowboys are a good team that haven't proven so far that they can beat good teams on the road. But Mike McCarthy's job is on the line. Don't mistake it. Like He took over the play calling, all of that stuff. Dan Quinn is their defensive coordinator, and he's looking like the best head coaching candidate that's available. If Mike McCarthy now at 10-5, and they're a playoff team. They're going to have to start and win all these games on the road, come playoff time. But if he doesn't win, he's gone. And somebody else is going to come in and do things their way. I want that for my teams, and I feel like not getting Otani and kind of putting it in with these mixing and matching of different guys that that you're not coming to the park to see individually, you're coming to the park to see the collective try to win games. That means, to me, the GM and the president and the manager as well, those guys are the ones that have the pressure on them. And I want that for my teams because – I want – if they don't succeed, I want it to change. So I don't mind this kind of stuff with the Blue Jays because I guess as a fan, um, I got to put – like I've watched Kiermaier. I don't know a lot, as, as you said, uh, the guy that you just told me about. But I do know that if those guys think that that guy's the right move, I have to put my trust in them because those guys' jobs, I think – you can correct me – are on line. Do you think they're on the line for Shapiro uh, and
1: Atkins? For Atkins, I'm not sure about Shapiro yet. He's He's got okay. the stadium thing working in his favor that they've gotten that Renault approved. And um, yep. I don't, I'm don't. i not sure. But what, what I think what this says to me, you know, right up front is that they're out on Cody Bellinger. They've understood that he's not coming. Now, that was an interesting debate. He'd had a couple bad years before rebounding. So it depends what you think he is. But he's the biggest name outfielder left, and the fact that they have now now got circled back and brought back Kiermaier probably means they no longer believe that they're getting him. Um, they have brought back what was the best defensive outfield in baseball, and nobody talks about that when we talk about how elite the rotation was last year. There was a reason that like those guys all pitched really well, but. Kiermaier and, and Varsho were running down things that the year before were doubles and triples into the gap, right? That it 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 all ties together. But the problem is now you once again have in your lineup two out of your three outfielders are lefties who can't hit lefties. And you're looking to platoon. You can't platoon both of them. Who is going to be the other guy? Like they needed to go find some power off the uh, probably out of that corner outfield spot. Let Varsho play center field. I, I just think right. you have a lot of the same thing. And like, is it now you bring in IKF and uh you know, he's the same sort of guy who very good defensively. But these runs have to come from somewhere. And listen, if if Bo doesn't get hurt, if Vlad bounces back, you know, that relieves a lot of. The, if if Kirk bounces back, this relieves a lot of the pressure. But you almost now have no choice but to go find some power to play third. And I don't know who that's going to be. That might have to right. come by trade. But, like, you have to find another bat somewhere. It has to be a big-name DH. or and, and those are hard for you because you want Springer off his feet now and then. You want yep. Vladdy off his feet now and then. So, like, we don't run a traditional DH spot. Like, I just... I'm, I don't mind... Kiermaier coming back, but I think you have a lot of the same thing now, and you're starting to close off places where you can improve, right? You're obviously not going to change or improve your left field spot because Varshal is going to stay there. Um, You know, do you need all of Biggio, Espinal, and Isaiah Kiner-Falefa? Like, that's the same guy three times. Um, I I just...
0: Okay, but what if this sets the table, though, for...
1: A one, trade. Yeah, one of them to be part of a trade. I, that's possible. Right? That's possible.
0: Well, I, if, it's one of those things. We judge things in the now, and it, they're not overwhelming with Kiermaier and IKF. And yeah. things. But if these things in the offseason lead up to a trade that now you look at the lineup, and it, it's really hard, and I know people don't want to hear this, right? In the, in the middle of an offseason, it's like, well, we got to wait till spring training. And we got to wait to see what their lineup actually is. Yeah. Well, uh, I hate saying that cuz I don't want to hear that when I'm listening to things. But uh, if Yeah, you have to wait present- till the
1: pictures done. Yeah. yeah they're
0: not presenting the lineup on December the 27th. Right? Right? Yeah. So okay, uh, I'll I'll give them I guess the benefit of the doubt that they're leading up to when they're going to present their roster on opening day. That it's not going to look exactly the same as it does right now, even with the IKF yep. signing. Yeah, but but it's it's I know what you mean. There's a little bit of like worry leading up to it with some of the moves that are underwhelming, like a bit of an underwhelming move, and then another underwhelming move. And those and underwhelming then, okay. moves
1: are filling up spots that you go, okay, like yeah, they didn't just sign. Um, you know, Kiermaier to come back and sit on the bench and be your fourth outfielder, he's your guy. They're going to play him again. And so that's yeah. a spot you're not going to fill with a bigger name. It's not just him. It's what it closes off for you, right? And and so that, yeah. yeah
0: and I think the things that uh, open those spots back up are traits. Yep. Right? So that's the only way that you're right, that it leads you to believe that when you start closing spots up, Trades are the only way that it's going to open back up. And what does that mean? Does that mean that, that they're going to make a big one that involves somebody like Vladi or Bo or somebody else? Like, I don't know. I know we've kind of been on different pages before. I'd hate to see Bichette go. I think if they got, if they got a a bunch for, for Vladi, well, I might take my chances, but it's, it's got to be the right Oh, but his Instagram, his
1: Instagram is. workouts look great. We're supposed that's, it's, it's all yeah, fine. Yeah. 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 I'm- <laughs> ah,
0: yes. You, I'm everybody. 27th. We're talking about baseball athletes and their Instagram workouts. Yes. Like.
1: Check out my Instagram workout on January 2nd and 3rd and 4th and 5th, and then 9th, and then 17th, and then never again as I as right. my New Year's resolutions yeah, yeah. fade into yeah, the yeah. Uh,
0: <laughs> my, my second and January 2nd and 3rd. They look really good. 100 yeah, percent Make sure that we'll copy and paste those to yeah, the rest of the year. I better take a
1: bunch of those while I'm there on those couple of days.
0: <laughs> no, that that's it, right? But yeah. I'm glad you brought this up because it 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 gets me fired up about thinking about you Know the individual spots again and, and where they're like JD actually Martinez going is still out there. That would
1: be a big move to have him come DH for you. Like, I don't know if they're in that yeah. or not, but like, there are still some options available. But yeah, that looks like you're running out the same, uh, the same outfield you did last year. And it was a very good defensive outfield, but it didn't, uh, it didn't provide the offense no. that uh, you normally it wanted to. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, was there anything else you wanted to hit on today, man? Well, no,
0: I think. You know we've done a we've done a pretty good job so far, and I'm looking forward to kind of reengaging
1: yeah.
0: uh, and get getting back now that I'm a little bit more settled. So uh, haven't been settled the first couple of weeks necessarily, but now I'm more settled, so I hope to get back into a bit of a more uh, regular routine. Right. But uh, until then, um, I'd say happy holidays and happy new year to everybody. Uh, can't believe that 2024 is only. Two days away at this point, yeah, and uh, sends her in last place again. All right, uh, <laughs> <laughs> cool. Some things never awesome. change. Yeah, oh, awesome. Yeah, uh, no, but I haven't found any uh, underground uh, Italian wrestling yet. I so, was going to uh, ask,
1: uh, man, uh, that was the last yeah. thing. Is, is Raw on Sky Sports Italia? Is is Dynamite available over there? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: no, I've, I've watched some stuff uh, just back on YouTube and and. Um, I have watched sort of Dynamite and Collision in AEW and a little bit of WWE, and there's a chance that in a couple of days, uh, AEW's got a big pay per view, World's End. There's a chance I might get up really early here <laughs> to catch the end of it, which would be at night. They usually run their pay per views from about 8 p.m. to to midnight Eastern, yeah. which you know I, I might be able to get up and.
1: Get up at five uh, catch, catch the main catch, event yeah
0: catch, catch the main event and see <laughs> uh what else is going on but no i'm uh you know I, i'm always actively involved in, in keeping up with the wrestling scene and know what's going on there so um a couple of pretty I'll, good I'll episodes be,
1: of this is wrestling dropped lately that uh that people can check out wherever they're hearing this right now it's been fun
0: yeah we did some really cool things uh so, you know some most underrated wrestlers of all times and uh, tag teams that never were uh, that sh- that should have been yeah and uh, like a lot of people wanted the Undertaker and IRS death and taxes <laughs> but, but but that never made our top five because we thought five were better than that and I don't want to spoil it but one of the ones that were in there that we really liked uh let me make sure I get this right was uh. What was the acronym again? It was Y2HBK?
1: Oh, yeah. Or
0: was it HBY2K or something like that? It was Chris Chris Jericho and and Shawn Michaels. and um, Thought that they should have kind of renamed their team and and been the team. But we had some fun discussing what made the list and what didn't make the list. And uh, a couple of, I would say, they're not time-sensitive issues. So you can go back and listen to them at any time uh, at This Is Wrestling.
1: Yeah, available wherever you're hearing this right now. We'll make sure we link to it there in the in the show notes, man. This was fun. I'm glad we were able to catch up. Like you said, we'll we'll get back on track now that you're settled there and doing these more regularly. And until you make your way back to the nation's capital, it was good how catching up, buddy.
0: Is, how is the ten percent treating you?
1: Yeah, uh, you know what? It's pretty nice to be honest yeah. with you. Like See, it started now it's off, settling in yeah. Now, eh? You're getting yeah. used to it. It, it the first pull or two was a little boozy, <laughs> but now yep. now now it's just going down nice, right? It's Just yeah. about at the bottom here and. I might go throw on the uh, the World Junior game and and maybe just nap a little. It's Canada Latvia. This is not likely to be a yep. a barn burner,
0: so you know, watch a, know little, Ger- know a little, snooze a little. Germany beat Finland, which that's is right, yeah. a, a- awesome for them. Uh, yeah, as a country to make sure they're beating uh, some other top teams. So yeah, big win was, for them. Uh, that was and you love to see those fun. at this event,
1: right? The the yeah, the, that's what the, it's all about. The lower seeds jump up and bite one of the big dogs, and um, so we'll see. Uh, We'll see what shakes loose. Canada has Germany in a couple days, so we'll see uh, if Germany's up for a fight or if it was a one-off. That'll be interesting to follow, but uh, yeah, that's for another day.
0: Always good to catch up with you, and I look forward to doing it uh, more regularly, and I hope you're having a good holiday. And uh, Starting with a 10%er at noon, that means (laughs) it's good times.
1: Yes, that's right. That means it's always good. that's the Wednesday always, between Christmas and New Year's.
0: Always good to talk to you, Matthew. We'll talk to you soon.
1: Sounds good. We'll wrap this one up here. Hope the rest of you are having a great holiday season. Um, we'll be back later in the week. We'll have one more for you before New Year's Eve, so hope you'll stick around for that as well. Make sure you're subscribed to the pod wherever you're hearing us. Give us a follow on social media at Tall Can Audio, and we'll see you all next time. Now, if y'all ain't got nothing else for me to drink, I'm a whole ass. No, I'm serious. I'm about to haul ass. If y'all have no better shit than this to
0: drink, thanks for listening. You can get more TCA at tallcanaudio.com or by searching Tall can Audio on your favorite podcast app.